2: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I wish I knew how to quit you. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
3: I mean, you know, you heard Zimmer in the comments he made, I got a plan, plan might change, whatever that was. You saw Bridgewater warming up. I don't know if that came from Zimmer after after the second pick that, that uh, Keenum threw. But listen. To make a change now would be silly. I mean, th- this team is rolling with Keenum. Keenum is playing well. Limit your turnovers. I know that's a big deal for Zimmer. Those were two bad decisions. But ultimately, you're hanging 30-plus against a pretty decent defense, and you're rolling. You do not want to destroy chemistry that has been built over the season. And Bridgewater hasn't played in a couple years. And listen, game speed is not practice speed. I don't care what anybody thinks. But when you haven't been out there and-, and you haven't seen defenses roll to different things and give you different looks and the w- which way they're coming at you. I just think that I think it's silly to even create the drama. And and why put that in Case Keenum's head? I mean, listen, this guy is playing good enough football to continue to win and keep you as a division leader. The last thing you want him is to be second guessing himself or looking behind him. I mean, it's not like he's a seasoned guy that everything's been handed to him. He's the third guy. I mean, Bradford was the second. He went out. I don't understand why you're doing it. In all honesty, I think it's silly. Jeff Saturday, that was.
4: If
1: you're going to believe in the Vikings here. They're 7-2. Uh, they received a lot of of justified criticism last year, but they've done a very good job this year. They've done a really good job. Spielman overhauled personnel uh, pieces that, that had to be changed and did a good job. Spielman went and found a backup QB in Keenum, who has done a very good job. If you're going to trust that the Vikings are doing the right thing here, I think we need to trust them with it this next step then. Because it's not like Teddy was activated on Wednesday and they said okay you're playing oh, you got to play you just got to play so if we are if we are to say that the Vikings are on the right track right now and if we are to say that Zimmer and Spielman are doing a good job, then I think we also have to put a level of trust in how in how this is going to
4: play out. This is a new Judd here. The, the well, Judd no, that's just advocating saying, to trust the front offices that he calls
5: for the heads of the
4: people inside I, of them. I am just saying is this like, Dave, did you get the same sense that oh, I did? The judd is I'll finish in a second, but go well, ahead. Well
5: I assume that only means that they agree with what the proposal Judd put forth earlier.
1: It means it means <laughs> yes. this.
5: It's very simple to
1: me. It means that if you are a Vikings fan. And you're saying right now, heck, they've done a really nice job. They went and got two tackles. They drafted a a center who's been fantastic. This defense is among the best in the league. If you think the personnel-wise and coaching-wise, they're doing a good job, which they are, they're 7-2, I think there needs to be a level of, okay, if this is going to play out, however this plays out, you trust in what they're doing. And if you sit there and you're saying, you can't do this, you can't, well, then you don't trust them. And I guess my question is, for 2017 at
4: least, what's not to trust? They've built they've built credibility. They lost. From, from Rick Spielman down to Mike Zimmer, they yes. They lost
1: Sam Bradford after week one. They lost a quarterback who came out against what uh, turned out to be a really good Saints team, and he was done. He can't play. And they are 7-2. and two. Yes.
4: 651 646 8255 if you have thoughts on the long-term and short-term picture of the Vikings' quarterback situation. This is all very, very clear. And as we talk this out, to me, this is all crystallizing for me. Case Keenum and who he is and what his role here is. Long term, I can guarantee you, I've got four names here. I had three coming into the show and we had an emailer or a a Twitter follower stack a fourth name on the pile. I am 99.9% confident that long term, Case Keenum is in the bin of Brian Hoyer, Nick Foles, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brock Osweiler, where you look at those guys when they're at their best and they're performing at top five, top ten level for that two month stretch, for that one season stretch, whatever it may be. Brian Hoyer, Houston Texans, very similar. Great defense, Super Bowl ready defense, uh, some good pieces along the offensive line. You got your DeAndre Hopkins over here, you got weapons all around. And Brian Hoyer posted a fringe top ten passer rating. He had some three-touchdown games in there, 300 yards. Uh, even uh, as recently in 2015 as December, he's putting up 300 yards, three touchdowns, a pick, uh, not sacked very often. Remember what people were saying about Brian Hoyer in Houston. Wow, they may have finally found their guy. This guy comes from the Patriots tree, the pipeline.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> as it turned out, it was a really good three-month stretch for Brian Hoyer, and then that was kind of it. wasn't a guy that you wanted to get married to. Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2015 with the Jets. That was a 10 and 6 Jets team. By the way, that Brian Hoyer season ended with like a handful of interceptions in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick had 31 touchdown passes for the Jets in 2015. 10 and 6 record, put up 4,000 yards. Wow, is that Ryan Fitzpatrick legitimizing himself as a franchise quarterback? You got to give him a big contract. But it was just a one season flash, and he had an, he had a, a, a one season flash with the Bills at one point. Got a contract, then led the league in interceptions the very next year. Yep. Brock Osweiler. Wow, do they even need to bring Peyton Manning back? These seven games have been incredible. A 5-2 and two record? He's putting up three touchdowns on the road against Pittsburgh, 300 yards? Yep. We know how, how that ended. So I think long-term, it's to me, it's very obvious. Case Keenum is in the same bin long-term as Hoyer, as Osweiler. Nick Foles had like 27 touchdowns, two picks one year for a 10-6 Eagles team, and that was it. The short-term burst where you can get fooled pretty easily and maybe get fooled into giving out a big contract yep. like other teams did, like the Texans did with Brock Osweiler. Short-term, can you ride this and how far can you ride it? And I think you're sort of tied to it for the next two to three months. I mean, that's—I think that's the path we're headed down here. So that long-term, that's who he is. Short-term, is it good enough to get you where you want to go? with this defense, and with all the pieces around it?
1: I would put uh, Keenum much more in the Hoyer-Fitzpatrick camp. The The foles Osweiler camp had the, this guy's young and he could be really good dynamic to it. In Hoyer-Fitzpatrick and Keenum, you sort of know, you're always like, have they turned a corner or what? And the answer is often no. The answer is, yes, they have for the right now. And by that, you mean maybe 16 games. Um, I'll, I'll throw a fifth name at you, too. Matt Castle. Matt Castle yeah, really, Matt Castle a really. was a guy who you said to yourself, okay, he came out of Brady's shadow. Uh, the Patriots won 11 games the year that Brady missed. Castle was really good. They didn't make the playoffs. Now he's going to get a chance. And listen, don't feel bad for Keenum in this sense. Somebody's going to give him a multi-year really good contract because of this. He is he has it,
4: he the, has the Vikings might
1: give him a contract. But he has made he has, by the way, he's played this year, he's going to get a nice contract. All of that being said, you understand that if you dive into this pool, there's a chance that the water's going to be sucked out within a couple weeks and you're going to hit concrete.
4: And and I, I will say We don't know how the 2015 Broncos season would have played out. They won a Super Bowl when they brought Peyton Manning back, but that was a very limited Peyton Manning. If they had left Brock Osweiler in, would they have won the Super Bowl? We don't know. Maybe. That defense was so good, all you really had to do was hand off and throw short passes and score 20 points, and you were going to win. So can you win a Super Bowl with a red-hot, fringe-starting quarterback, which is what the Vikings have right now? And it's been done before. Like, clearly it's been done before. Peyton Manning was a fringe backup quarterback who just had a lot of great leadership qualities at the end of his career. Six five one six four six eight two five five. 8255 Mike, you're on the show.
6: Yeah, guys, good discussion. Um, I had a couple of points that I wanted to make regarding this whole situation. I think one thing we can safely assume is, is if this is on their radar and they're hinting that he's going to be going in, it's safe to assume that they're feeling confident, A, in his health and how he looks in practice and that – that he's maybe close to being ready to go. And so my question comes down to this, because I think people have a tendency to overcomplicate simple situations. Who's better? I don't know how anyone can objectively say one thing that Case Keenum would be better than, than Teddy on. And so, in my opinion, if he's ready to go, I'd get him in there. I guess the, the final point I would make is what really intrigues me is this. I've always been a lukewarm Teddy Bridgewater guy. I've never been anti-against him. I've never been thinking he's the next greatest quarterback. But I, I know one thing. He's never had an offense or an offensive coordinator anywhere near as good as what they've got right now. So I'm anxious to see what he looks like. Absolutely. Yep, Mike. Thank, exactly right. Thank
4: you for the phone call, and we have wide open Vikings vent lines right now. If you want to chime in and get your thoughts in the next 20 minutes or so.
1: And unfortunately, the answer to his first question isn't that you definitively know necessarily who's going to be better. What you know is Case Keenum. You know who he is. This is this is him at his greatest. There's no upside from here. Bridgewater, there's a curiosity factor that can be explored, and, and the caller is a 1,000% right. The other thing that the Vikings, I guarantee you, are taking into this equation is Pat Schirmer is running an offense that's perfectly designed for this kid. Absolutely perfect. He came in in 2015 and and had to shoehorn his abilities into what was Adrian Peterson's offense. Um, the other concern that you would bring up, but to me is not a worry here, is chemistry. Because if Keenum was doing a great job and was loved, and this was Jeff George, you might be saying, okay, this Jeff George got a great arm, but people really hate him. Bridgewater, you don't have that problem. And, and to go back to what we've been saying now, Phil, for two weeks, and this is important to keep in mind, if it doesn't work, if you bring in Keenum for a game or two, or I'm sorry, Bridgewater for a game or two, and it does not work, you're not done with Case Keenum. Like, this is not a 22-year-old, oh my God, we ruined his confidence, what have we done now? We've talked about that for two weeks. This guy has been a career backup. He's admitted he gets it, right? So if you play Bridgewater and it doesn't go great, you're not stuck. You're not like, oh, we have to play him. We have to play him. You can bring Keenum back. It's not like his
4: confidence should be shot. 651-646-8255. Mark, you're on Mackie and Judd. Hey, Mark.
7: Hey, happy birthday, Judd. It's my birthday, too. I'm 60 today. Okay. I've never had a birthday buddy, and it turns out I have to have you.
1: No, I'm sorry about that. You're stuck that. with Judd. You're si- happy 60th. That's an accomplishment right there.
7: Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> I,
1: I don't, but in 12 years, I will if I'm still around.
7: <laughs> if you're around. You know? I'm known as Uncle Grumpy to my family. That's what they call me. Judd is, too. You guys have a lot in common. November 13th, baby. But next to Judd, I am Sammy Sunshine. (laughs) I mean, I, uh, you know, I listened to the vet line last night and then to today. And you guys got to come up with the song, you know, that says, go bikes, go. It sounds like the Wisconsin border has moved all the way over to North and South Dakota. I mean, we're 7-2. and two. Uh, We played good football. We've got a quarterback that has made some mistakes, but all in all, he hasn't knocked us out of a single game. And we're complaining about, you know, we're worried about, uh, is he going to get us to the promised land? Uh, we're worried about a tight end when we have two other Two other receivers that are knocking it out of the ballpark. Uh, we're complaining that, you know, oh my gosh, our defense uh, let up 300 yards yesterday, uh, but we still want. I mean, guys, you sound like you're from Green Bay and Milwaukee. Come on, let let's enjoy this. Go pack, go.
4: <laughs> That's a good phone call from uh, from Mark. There, I will say it is a tendency of yours and of a lot of Vikings fans to complain about the gap between where things are and perfection. So if it's not we had we had calls yesterday on Ventline complaining about the defense, to which I would say I think they've built up enough credibility with their best defensive play out to where we can give them one pass I in a game that they won. Let's I don't, give them a pass.
1: I don't think I've complained once about their about their play. I mean they weren't great, but uh the Joseph roughing the passer on cousins uh helped lead to a Redskins score, and then it doesn't help when when your quarterback throws a pick that's returned to the two. So, no, I did not complain. The, the the Keenum conversation, though, is made extremely intriguing by the fact that the team is not saying, go away, we're not making a change. That's what makes it, this is not complaining. This is actually looking at a 7-2 team and realizing that within that team, within the internal structure of that team, the people that run it, they are saying, There might be a better option here. I think
4: it's human nature to be curious when your number one starting pitcher has been really bad for five years, and now you're like, are we riding this guy to the world? Are we riding Kyle Gibson to the World Series right now? I guess we are. Like That's kind of what's happening. That's incredibly fair. We'll get to Bill. We'll get to Jody. And we can line up more of your vent line the day after call, 651-646-8255. And I have a defensive Teddy Bridgewater when we come back for you. Get your thoughts on it.
2: You gotta be in the know to know, you know?
8: You gotta be in the know to know, you know?
2: That's why you're listening to Mackey and John on 1500 ESPN.
8: Interceptions are gonna happen, you know, but there at those times, um, you know, you don't wanna do that. It's, you know because we kind of had the game pretty much in hand at that point. And then, you know, those two interceptions, I don't even know if they're back-to-back, but um, they were. Yeah, so, you know, that's how you let teams come back in the ball game. That's what I'm talking about. You know, we haven't played with a big lead before, and we need, you know, we need to learn how to do that as well. You know, I've, I've got a plan, and uh, we'll just see how it goes. Sometimes plans change, but uh, we'll see how it goes, and uh, we'll sit down this week and we'll visit about it and kind of go from there.
4: Mike Zimmer talking about his quarterbacks. We're going to get to a couple of Ventline the day after phone calls here in just a second. But uh, I think one of the main themes on Ventline yesterday and just getting a sense from people on this debate, how long do you ride Case Keenum? He's playing outstandingly. There's really no reason to take him out right now. But the question is sustainability. Is this just the next Nick Foles, Brock Osweiler, two-month hot stretch from a career backup quarterback, and then the carriage is going to turn into a pumpkin at some point? And for, I think there's the, there's, the, there's the crowd of people saying, well, you guys are overrating Teddy Bridgewater's 2015 performance, and he was not Tom Brady in 2015. But if you're going to point to 2015 performances and downgrade Teddy and then give Keenum points for what he's doing right now, mm-hmm. in 2015, the better quarterback unquestionably was Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. over Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. The reason Case Keenum is better now than he was two years ago is because of the circumstances around him. Pat Shermer, offensive line, weapons. And it helps to see more, more football and more reps in your late 20s as a quarterback. The more you can see, the more you can have reference points. Bridgewater, at some point, whether it's next week or next year, will also benefit, you'd have to think, from the Pat Shermer effect and the offensive line being better and the weapons. And the fact that in 2015, Adrian Peterson touched the ball 357 times for that Vikings offense mostly in formations that didn't favor Bridgewater. A lot of lineup under center. In fact, no team in the NFL lined up under center. Well, there was like one team that did. Under center more often than the Vikings in 2015. That does not fit Bridgewater's strengths. The offensive line was among the worst in the NFL in 2015. Adam Thielen was targeted 18 times. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL Mm -hmm. and basically did not exist for Teddy Bridgewater in 2015. So you can't praise Case Keenum and then ignore... The fact that Bridgewater, who has a higher ceiling and was much more highly touted every step of the way until the injury, yep. that he wouldn't also benefit from those same things. That's my defense of Teddy Bridgewater.
1: I also, and, and once again, to, to me, that this is so clear. I also, I mean, what's the one thing that we praise executives, especially y- young ones in sports now? They've got a curiosity, right? Old school sports people aren't curious. They're just like, this is my way, and I'm always done it this way, and damn it, I'm going to do it this way. We praise people for being curious, for saying, I wonder what's behind this door. I wonder if we tweak that, what happens to that. The curiosity here with Bridgewater, to me, this is this in no way is saying he's going to step in and be a Pro Bowl QB immediately. But what this is is... All right, we saw a snapshot in the first half against the Ravens and Browns, and then in the second half yesterday, we saw a snapshot of when it goes wrong for Case. It can go really wrong. It's not just sort of oh that was bad. It's a what happened there. Don't if if the Vikings and should, they should be credited for this have a curiosity about what Bridgewater can do in Schirmer's offense. Don't you want to see that sooner? Do you really want to wait until the second to last game at Green Bay or the first playoff game when things go sideways for Keenum? Do you really want to wait till then to see this? Because in no way does this shut the door on Keenum playing again. There's a confusion about that. As I said before, we're not talking about a 22-year-old whose confidence is shot, and now he's going to go home and cry. He's been a backup quarterback most of his life. So don't you have a curiosity about what Bridgewater can do in an offense that suits him, and it might be better? And if it is, you you. Owe it to yourself to find out now, not in late December or
4: January. And and the answer to your question is only if he's better than Case Keenum for the next three months. Long-term, Bridgewater. Short-term is your priority. That's where it's complicated. But you can find out. 651-646-8255. Hey, Jody.
8: Hey, how's it going? I'd just like to uh, congratulate Case on his game yesterday. Probably one of the most fun offensive Vikings games I've watched in, I don't know, maybe a few years. Yeah. So I'm sold on him, and as far as those two interceptions, and I think kind of Zimmer just threw him under the bus a little, I'd like to put a little bit on the coaching staff. You know, we have one quarter left, and we got a huge lead. Really, the only way to lose that game is having pick sixes. So those play calls shouldn't have been called, and especially the second one, because the second one, the easiest pick six pass there is, is a short out to the sideline where there's nobody back there if he picks it off. So that short off to the sideline really should have never been called, and it's called against one of the best quarterbacks in
4: football. Okay, but Jody, what does that say about the the trust you have in your quarterback? If you can't call a pass, it, he has an option to not throw call that back. pass. Call
8: something over the middle. He doesn't. Call, uh, he, I, he he, no, he has back, an option to nice. not
4: throw the pick six. Like it's. That's... I, re- I didn't say all of it
8: okay Case threw a bad case through a bad pass and I'll totally give him that I just don't know why he was put in that position I don't know why that you know as a Viking fan you're like wow the only way we can lose this game is a big six you know we're up 18 points I think it was with a quarter left and and you know and there comes this I just don't understand play call I don't understand the timing of it that's
4: right, fair enough
1: but but, fair enough. but Jody here's the problem all right fast forward now. If you are playing the Saints in the playoffs, it's gonna be a close game. Are you telling me that there's a series of passes that you now say we can't we can't throw because it's case?
4: It's not like Pat Shermer got into his headset and said, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna call a one route play and you have to throw this pass no matter what happens. Like if you're a legit quarterback and and he's played like one for two months, yes, you don't throw that ball. Like Tom Brady doesn't throw that ball. Matt Ryan he doesn't throw that ball. And here's Although the, Tom Brady threw into the Super Bowl last year, so I guess I'm wrong. Well, and the problem—they <laughs> still won the game, but you know, the, you know what I'm saying. The
1: problem with pick number two was he didn't see Swearinger. He just didn't see him. And I keep going back to: okay, if that's a three-point game, are you going to tell him you cannot throw this pass because we don't trust you? Or are you going to forfeit that side of the field or that sideline because it's Case Keenum?
4: Bill, you're on Mackie and Jen. Good morning, gentlemen, and happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, too, Yes, Bill. William, fire away. So
7: I would like to change the conversation a little bit, going from Case Keenum to what actually got us here. Uh, and I think that's Mike Zimmer. The job he's done in three years with his defense is nothing short of greatness.
4: 100% agree. Example. Yeah, he's done a great – Yep. 100% agree.
7: Uh, I think it was the third quarter, fourth and four. Uh, we were backed up in our own zone, and uh, he, he dialed up a double-A gap blitz. Mm-hmm. And right before the ball was snapped, he dropped. Uh, the they dropped back in coverage, and uh, Kirk Cousins lost his bowels and threw a bad pass.
4: <laughs> he did. that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> That'd be yeah, really, really messy, Bill. Bill. That'd be very messy. Yeah, he soiled himself a little bit there. Yes, um, th- this is the best defense I've seen in my lifetime as a guy born after the Purple People Eaters defenses. This is unless I'm like not remembering a late 80s, early 90s defense. They had some good ones and some really good players. They had the Chris Dolmans, early John Randall. But this is something different. And even when they were kind of on the ropes yesterday, they still, like, giving up yardage, they still made those big third-down hits, those plays that need to be made, where you flush a quarterback, you sack him, Mm -hmm. push him out of, you know, like... It wasn't. They got shredded at times, but they they're still good enough without Everson Griffin to make the plays when they need to to shut the game down.
1: The interesting thing about this is is we can talk about who starts at QB, and it could be Keenum, and it could be Teddy, and it could have been Bradford, and and Delvin Cook goes out, and you're still fine. There's about five, four or five components to that defense that you can't lose. You can't. You Griffin has to be there. Joseph has to be there. Barr, I believe, Kendricks is very good. Smith, and Rhodes. I mean, those are absolute essentials.
4: Let's go to Realistic Randy in Oakland. What's going on, Randy? Hey, what's going on, guys? Normally I don't really call you
0: guys during the week, mostly on Vikings' vet line because I'm really getting ready for work, but I couldn't pass up this opportunity. The, last, the caller before last that insinuated that somehow it was the coach's fault that Case Keenum threw that last interception couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, you could tell on that interception, that particular one, that no matter what looks that the defense was giving Case Keenum, he was throwing it to Adam Thielen no matter what. He wasn't going to sit there and look between his reasons and say, oh, let me throw it to Thielen. He was going to throw it to him no matter what. So here's the thing. As soon as Case Keenum took the snap, he took a nonchalant step back, like, oh, I'm Case Keenum. I'm kicking ass out here. I'm going to throw it no matter what. And then basically had his eyes locked on Thielen the whole time. And I'm like, okay, that's a little weird. And as soon as the ball left his hand – He threw a duck up in the air. If you're going to make that throw, put some zip on it and throw it to the outside shoulder to where only Adam Thielen can get it. He put so much air on it. As soon as it left his hands, I said, this is going to be a disaster. We cannot have throws like that in the playoffs. I'm already except We're going to the playoffs, all right? Is that what everybody's just going to be up in arms about, say, oh, let's just get to the playoffs with Case Keenum? I want to make a run with this team. I've been a fan forever of this team. We cannot have throws like that where you're like, oh, I'm Chase Keenum. I'm yeah. just going to do whatever I want. Adam Thielen, he's so great, which he is. But if your body language is giving the defense, showing the defense what you're doing ahead of time, you're not going to stand a chance. So this whole, oh, it's, it's all the coach's fault that Case Keenum threw that interception. <laughs> like you said, Phil, it's not like he had to throw it to him. He probably could have threw it to someone else. But if you're gonna make that throw, make it to where only your receiver is gonna catch it. He went to the outside. It was an out route. Throw it to the outside shoulder and put yeah. some zip on the ball. Not take a step back, nonchalant, and throw it up in the air like a duck. If I That's if, all I, gotta say if
4: I recommend Randy, if I if I'm a, you know I don't know a, a car dealer, if I recommend a car for you to buy and drive, and then you crash it, it ain't my fault that you crashed the car. Like hey. I sold you the car. I told you this is a great car. you should drive it. I'm not demanding that you wrap it around a tree so I I, I agree with your point there. and where I think I don't know how much you listened yesterday at Ventline, but we had a caller and where it's it's okay to have a skepticism about a career backup and also praise him like there's some nuance in here. and we had somebody call in yesterday praising Case Keenum for his hustle in pushing the Redskins oh, player out of God. bounds of the two yard oh, line after the interception, great like defensive picks. effort. Great. But, he, but like that, effort. he's a football player. Like, okay, but let's,
0: <laughs> I,
4: completely heard, I heard
0: that. I rolled my eyes. Yes. he made a good hustle play. Congratulations. <laughs> you saved the pick six. Here's the thing. I'm not sitting here saying that you're either Teddy or case. I, for the, for the record, I said I didn't believe in Case when after that Pittsburgh game. I was like, he looked god-awful. He said that he was ready, and he looked absolutely terrible. I was like, we got to figure this out. But I've been proven wrong, and I'm glad that I've been proven wrong. He's done very well for a backup quarterback. And like you guys have mentioned, with the circumstances that he has with Pat Shermer and this offensive line, do we really need to imagine Case Keenum in 2015 with the 29th ranked pass protecting offensive line, according to Football Outsiders, yeah. and North Turner calling those offensive plays, that's the thing. It's not your only on Case Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater's side. What I'm saying is, for the most upside, you owe it to this franchise to see what you're going, to, what you can get from Teddy Bridgewater with this offensive line and this offensive scheme, because he's never had that before. You owe it to yourself to do that. Because I tell you what. If you're just going to say, "Oh, we're just going to ride with Case Keaton because he's just he's just a hot hand right now, nothing else matters," and he makes throws like he did yesterday, I'm not even going to get on that first pick where he just threw it up in the air just for Brad for anybody to get it. But that one in particular, that second one, you can't go into the playoffs against defenses like Seattle or Philadelphia or other defenses like that, showing your signals ahead of time before anything else. So. I'm not one side or the other. I just want to see that team win. If Case Keenum can be like 2013's Josh McCown, where he's lighting it up and throws 13 touchdowns to one interception, I'm all for it. I don't care who quarterbacks his team. I want the biggest upside or, or, or on whoever quarterback that's going to be. And Right now, I think that's Teddy Bridgewater in the right circumstances.
4: Yeah, that's realistic, Randy in Oakland. One of our Love favorite realistic callers, Randy. stuff. All right, hey, I know we've got more calls, but let's—we have to get to uh, other stuff here, and we've got a lot of other good non-Vikings quarterback controversy stuff to get to, including uh, Dave's stuff you should know about. So, call back. Later on, we'll open up the phone lines. Uh, Courtney Cronin is going to join from ESPN.com. Dave, what kind of stuff do you have for us when we come back?
5: Uh, A lot of NFL stuff, a little college football, maybe a little college hoops nugget, plenty to get into. Boom. They need it
2: now. Mackie and Judd now continue. They want it now. On 1500. Get it on
5: ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Office Depot Office Max. You've had a big year, so treat yourself to great deals on tech and furniture at Office Depot Office Max. You deserve it. Office Depot Office Max taking care of business. Woo! No! In sports, there's a lot of stuff you should simply be aware
2: of.
3: There was stuff going on that no one talked about. pretty heavy stuff. Let me show you some stuff. I
2: don't do that stuff no more.
3: This stuff can give you brain damage.
2: And then there's the stuff you should know about. Lots of great stuff. This is the fun stuff. I love this stuff. Good stuff. Man, this stuff's good. This is that kind of stuff. I want to check that stuff out. Mackie and Judd now continues. This is very serious stuff we're talking about here. With stuff you
5: should know about.
1: Oh! Okay, Dave Harrigan, Monday stuff. Lots of
5: stuff, I'm sure. What yes. You got? What you got? Wow. Thank you for that intro. That was really good, birthday boy. Well, what, oh! what you got? First? Let's start with what happened in Chicago yesterday. Packers come out winners. That was fantastic. Brett Hundley gets a late touchdown. That was super. But let's talk about third and 13. Bears with the ball on the verge of entering the red zone. But a tough third and 13 to convert.
2: third down and 13. And they dump it off to Cunningham on the backfield. And the big fella is inside the 10, inside the 5, trying to get to the end zone. And he's just short.
5: Yes, ruled out at the two yard line as he was diving towards the end zone. The referee ruled no. His foot stepped on the line. John Fox didn't like that call one bit. He didn't like it. Toss that challenge flag. John, let's see how that goes. After hearing the
8: play, the Chicago runner advancing toward the goal line lost control of the football <laughs> and the ball hit the pylon. Therefore, he did not step out of bounds. It is a touchback. It will be a few days
5: first The yep. worst challenge oh, in football amazing. history, boys. First and goal from yep. the two turned into well, it's actually the other team's.
4: That's ball. amazing. So would the Packers have reviewed it the other way? Would they have seen that? And so would it? Like if John Fox doesn't throw the challenge flag, does Mike McCarthy throw a challenge flag? I don't it's think. Possible.
1: I don't think he, he was going to. But but the one the one thing that Brad Childress, when he was coach of the Vikings, always said is ah. Uh, you review every part of the ah uh, play. Uh, you So you look at, so Fox's problem was they're, they're like, okay, we'll look at the entire play. Oh, look, it's a touchback.
5: No! John Fox should be former Bears Good coach. Good try, buddy, yep. Speaking mm-hmm. of soon-to-be former coaches, then there's Ben McAdoo, still coach of the New York football Giants. I don't believe I've seen a press release as of yet today. His squad went to San Francisco and got waxed by the Niners, San Francisco getting their first win. McAdoo asked after it, well, talk to us about uh, motivating your team to play because there's been a lot of stories the last uh, week or so about the boys quitting.
7: Look, we have to do one thing first. We have to take a look at the tape first. We have to figure out what went wrong. We got to address it. We got to fix it. We got to move on. And uh, we'll talk about motivation next week. They're pro pro football players. They need to be self-motivated. Everybody gets a paycheck this week. <laughs> and We need to go out and play that way.
4: We got to look at the film. No, uh, I don't think that matters anymore, Ben. How is he still employed this morning? I still want to know. I have no. How does he have a job this morning? Maybe the I, meeting was until noon
5: Eastern time. Maybe. I agree with him. Motivate yourself. Let's go here, boys.
4: And really, like there are some things that it's really hard to see until you look at the All Twenty Two or <laughs> in Dave's case, the All One Hundred Three. Yeah, One Hundred Six. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Now this is my favorite NFL story of the weekend. Courtesy of ESPN.com, Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen combining on the report, boys. So you know it's big. You know it's thoroughly vetted. The report about the contract negotiations between Roger Goodell and all the owners who employ him as commissioner. Quoting the story, the committee will address Goodell's salary and compensation package. The last written counterproposal from Goodell which was around the 1st of August, was seeking around $49.5 million per year, as well as the lifetime use of a private jet and lifetime health insurance for his family, according to a source familiar with the negotiations.
4: That's how I'm going to start my next negotiations (laughs) with a fifteen hundred ESPN. It'll go well for Uh, it. Fifty million and a private jet, lifetime,
5: and yeah, lifetime use of the private (laughs) jet. Uh, In speaking to Pro Football Talk, NFL (laughs) spokesman Joe Lockhart said the only element of the ESPN report that is true is that there is a regularly scheduled compensation committee conference call on Mondays. The rest (laughs) is completely bogus.
4: Well, he already makes forty some million, so I mean, let's check the boxes. Is it likely that he asked for a little more money yes. to get to 50? Yes. Uh, he already gets, I'm sure, private jet use, however yes. he wants to, or can just afford his own. So, like, that's realistic. Uh, but, like, okay, he if you make $40 million a year, why don't you already just own your own jet and
5: and have a pilot?
4: Like, th- isn't it fair to say he probably already has that?
5: When you're the NFL, why do you ask for everything to be paid for you at the Super Bowl? Right, it's, I, yeah, I never it's... thought I'd say this, but I
1: am now firmly on Jerry Jones' side. I am now... I. <laughs> Fire him. Get rid of him. I mean, and and second of all, the report is absolutely true because the New York Times and Mortensen and Shefty got the same exact information. Mm-hmm. They're trying to
4: deny it now because they're so embarrassed by it. So, hey, listen, I'm all for capitalism. I'm all for, hey, you build something, make a bunch of money, you know, Bill Gates, Mark Cuban. How do we get to that $40, $50 million number for an NFL commissioner? It's a, it's a super important in terms of, like, the the amount of attention on the league I get it it's the most important probably sports commissioner role in the world Yep. but like fifty million dollars a <laughs> yeah, year fifty million like why it's not a ten million dollars a year why does it why is it fifty go Isn't Jerry that a little bit go
1: absurd? Jerry Jones fire him <gasps>
5: it's a lot of money and now Phil Mackey does everything he can to ignore reality and defend a hero of his youth. Hmm. Despite knowing in his heart that hero is broken beyond repair. Now, normally, we'd go to Tiger Woods news. (laughs) What? Come on. (laughs) 41 to 8? Whoops. Uh Uh-oh. We got the wrong thing playing. Let's just go with 41 to 8. What the hell happened to your
4: Irish? It was bad. It was bad. Um, Yeah, there's not a whole lot to uh, excuse from that performance. Hey. There's got to be a nice little, like, uh, third-tier bowl game they can stumble into after losing to Stanford to end the year. Though, right? take
5: on the Gophers in that bowl
4: game. Yeah, if things are trending the right way. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, I thought they were going to roll into Miami, and I legitimately thought that, that they— I didn't think it was going to be a blowout, but I thought Notre Dame, road-grading offensive line, they're going to go in, and they're going to put Miami in their place, <laughs> and the opposite happened.
1: I My full plan on Saturday was to go from Flyers Wild at 6 p.m. And, and then watch the second half of your Irish— and by the time we got to the second half,
5: I said, "I think I watch uh, watch uh, Bama. I think I watch Bama instead of this demolition." Oh! You said you were what was it? Family watching college football on Saturday. Yep, yeah, little uh, that little game. Small, I assume Tom,
4: Wisconsin. We were watching that. We had the Bama game. We had the end of the. Was it uh, Auburn beat Georgia? We had the end of beat that going on.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, a lot
4: of excited Badger fans across the border. Let me okay. tell
5: you, I'm just happy you were able to f- focus your attention elsewhere rather than the whole Mackey clan. Just. Uh... What,
4: on Notre Dame, you're saying? Yes. Yeah, well, there was a lot of adult beverages, so it oh, helped me good. self-medicate throughout the whole game. Yeah.
5: Uh, did you guys see Jacoby Brissett yesterday, Colts quarterback? Yes. When he went limp after a shot to the head on the field and had to be helped off and didn't miss a play. Mm-hmm. Didn't he even go to the tent? Or He did go to the tent. Uh, apparently, he got tested twice. Uh, the Colts, however, saying after the game is when he developed symptoms. He was oh fine he didn't miss a play. The game did not. Oh, I thought miss Tolzien a play. came in for at least one play. No, Tolzien wow. warmed up, but he did not oh. miss a play. Uh, Doctor Chris Nowinski uh, noted concussion head injury specialist tweeting a, a video of the injury and also saying that the NFL concussion protocol is a fraud. Brissette goes back in after showing the clearest concussion signs of the season. Helmet to helmet, holds his head, goes limp, and then need, needs help up. You don't need a protocol to hold this player out for the game. Check the tape. Can yeah. we can we just do something very simple here? Can we
1: admit the only reason the league acts acts like they care is because they're getting their pants sued off? But when you watch that sport, there's no real concern about concussion. I mean, there's no real—if you die at 52, the league doesn't care. The I, league doesn't give a damn.
4: I think the severity of your concussion diagnosis corresponds directly with how crappy your backup quarterback is, too. Hey, how, how's the head feeling there? Wait, Scott Tolzien's warming up? You're fine.
5: <laughs> Go back in the game.
1: I just love this whole notion that the league actually cares. But, gives
5: Coach, a damn. I'm, I'm Jacoby Percet. Well, that's a good point. Now you're still better you're than Tracy. Yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're talking a ton of Vikings. Back to the Vikings discussion. 7-2, and two, a 38-30 win yesterday over Washington. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zogad. Seems
2: like the basis for a sitcom. Mackie and Judd. Why not? On 1500 ESPN.
5: And out to Rice Park in St. Paul this Saturday, the 18th. For the winter skate tree lighting and grand opening, the festivities kick off at 3.30 p.m. with live bands and performances, reindeer photo opportunities, and more a little later. Fireworks, they kick off at 6.30, and the official ribbon cutting is at 7. More details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword events.
8: He's a fan favorite. He's he's, he's my favorite,
4: too. Um, You know, I mean... I may, I may have a Teddy Bridgewater jersey at home, you know, so I'm a big fan of his. He's
3: a great dude, a uh, great teammate. Um, I told somebody on the field um, that uh, Teddy definitely raises the, uh, the cool
4: factor of the quarterback group uh, tremendously. So, uh, you know, with that being said, on the field, um, you know, he's, uh, he's another set of eyes, and it's, and it's great to have him. Uh, with, you know, have feedback and just, you know, kind of know what's going on and, you know, another set of eyes on the defense and being able to talk about certain, you know, things, whether it's protection, routes, uh, coverages. So um, he does a great job, man. He's a great, great team player, great, uh, great teammate. And uh, like I said, I'm a a big fan of Teddy Bridgewater. Case Keenum is a fan. I got a question for you. Very, Mm -hmm. very important question off yesterday's game. Mm -hmm. Daniel Snyder is the owner of the Washington Redskins. And he's worth, according to the internet, two point three billion dollars, give or take. Sure. All right. Yeah, he's could be two, could be two point five. Yep. Let's call it two point three billion dollars. We'll trust the internet. How much does it cost to put in like actual green grass on your football field?
1: Oh, besides that, it it must be more than two point three billion dollars, right? You must not be able to afford it.
4: Why is their field this so is, crappy every single year? So in a
1: league where, where they generate millions and millions of dollars and they get paid billions by TV to show that their games, three of the biggest questions I have are Washington, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. Well, Why? Chicago's
4: grass is pretty, pretty luscious yesterday. Chicago's grass is awful. No, you, the, the game yesterday, it was very run, lush, very green. I understand how it looks. It's
1: awful. They're run by. It's run by the park board. The park board in Chicago runs Soldier Field. It's a complete joke. I have no idea. I can't a- answer your question. If you remember how Washington wasn't forced to get field turf, and I get the fact that, that there's some pitfalls there, but how Washington didn't get field turf, after Robert Griffin III basically finally blew his knee out completely the day that he played on dirt on that field, I have no clue. I don't understand how a league where they seemingly try and be first class in everything they do as far as as nothing's too expensive for us, you've got at least three fields. I mean, Pittsburgh, the University of Pittsburgh – the Panthers and the Steelers both use that stadium, which is great. Are you telling me it's a good idea that on weeks the Panthers play on Saturday for the Steelers to follow up playing on, on the same natural grass? It makes no sense at all. I don't know. I can't answer your question. I mean, it's, it's
4: stupid. It's just like, even just aesthetically. So I, I agree that Chicago, you have a lot of sloppy games in Chicago yeah. and stuff, but at least the grass is green. I mean, like Washington, this is a top one of the top five or six markets, like a top six market in the NFL. And it's a team that's featured on national TV against the Cowboys and the Eagles on a regular basis. And they're playing in a sandlot. Yes. They're literally and playing like in a sandlot. And
1: I can't explain how somebody, weird. how somebody at the league doesn't say, you're going to fix this. Yeah, and, and fixing they're it's not paying impossible.
4: Too, paying too much money. If they didn't have to franchise tag uh, Kirk Cousins every year, they could afford grass. It's either Kirk Cousins on the franchise tag okay. or a playable surface, Daniel and they're Snyder's choosing Kirk Cousins. He is a piece of work, too. Uh, we can open up the phone lines again, the vent lines, a day after. If you missed Vikings' vent line yesterday, we were full phone lines for two hours. It was one of the, the more fun, festive episodes in the four years I've been doing it. Uh, Star was feisty yesterday, so go find that on demand, fifteen espncom iTunes, wherever you would find podcasts. And uh, you guys have a Purple Podcast up, too, as well, right? We do indeed, yep. So, you can find that downloaded. But uh, if you want to chime in, if you have thoughts on what the Vikings should do going forward, can the Vikings win the Super Bowl? That's another question we can answer when we come back here. Can <laughs> the Vikings win the Super Bowl, aside from the fact that they're always Wiley Coyote and they've never won it? 651 646 Mackie and Judd.